I encourage everyone to take a moment and breathe and take a tea cheers with a Jiri tea. A Jiri tea recognizes the beauty in shared stories and shared opportunities. Ajiri sources award-winning tea from Kenya, employs women in the region to handcraft the labels, and sends 100% of the profits back to the region to support orphan education. Save 10% on your order of Kenyan teas and coffee with the code BEAUTIFULLYHUMAN at ajiritea.com. A-J-I-R-I-T.com. Tea mugs up! Hello, and welcome to the Beautifully Human podcast. I'm Nick Sheesby. In this podcast, I speak with beautiful humans from all around the world, sharing with you their incredible stories, revealing the power in every human story to spread love and humanity to a world that is in desperate need of it, to show that we can all connect in beautiful ways, no matter where we come from or what we look like. What you will find out is that we are all beautifully human. Let's all be beautifully human. Nick Sheesby. Well, hey. How are you? Yeah, so how are how how's things going over in the UK? Um it's yeah, it's interesting. It's <laughs> um it's been a hell of a year. <laughs> we uh we have a epic government who to their credit can't seem to decide what to do, but then I think it's one of those situations where no one really knows what to expect or what's going to happen next. So it's been very back and forth here. We've been in and out of lockdown a lot. Um, everything just got pretty much released and back to normal in the UK over the summer. And everybody was like, sure, we can go out and have dinner out and go on holiday and whatever. And then suddenly come September, October, we were back to, oh, no, this is really serious again and everybody needs to go home. So um, yeah, it's been changeable, but um, <laughs> we're getting through it. We're getting through it, and and we're now rolling out massive vaccine programs. Apparently, so hopefully this this year will be yeah um, vaccine centric, and and then we can kind of find some normality again. I think hopefully, um, which has been very sorely missed <laughs> yes. recently. Yes, but um, I can agree. But yeah, that. it's 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 good. That's good. We're getting through. Yeah, we've had we've had a little. I don't even know what you'd call it over here. We haven't really figured anything out yet. <laughs> some no. of some of us have, but nothing up above has figured it out for us. So we're just perpetually stuck right now. Yes. Well, hopefully this week things start to to move slightly for you guys with um with a, a better version of the upper people. Yeah. <laughs> with there, any luck, there's at least that. You know, at least there's a change coming in some way. You know. We'll see. We'll see how effective it is. There's a lot that has to has to happen, but I'm I'm hopeful. You know, at least at least I can not be embarrassed and ashamed of my president. Yeah, week, I mean, and that's tomorrow. key. We're we're still there, but um, we're still <laughs> we still have the, the the. I think someone on the news brilliantly yesterday described our prime minister as the a slightly less bizarre and slightly less mean Trump which I think is a reasonable description of him. Oh, man. Um, so we still have have a while with him, but um, yeah. we'll see what happens. <laughs> oh, boy. Now that Brexit's done and done, we'll, uh, maybe we'll boot him out. I don't know. We'll have to see. Yeah, so, yeah, that whole thing is, that, that whole thing's wild. I had, I was touring with a band who's from the UK and they were kind of explaining it all to me, but 
I just, what what is the benefit of Brexit? I almost said breakfast. Oh, you tell me, mate. You tell me. I I, I honestly don't know. Um, I mean, I'm not. You know, I I follow the news. I'm I'm vaguely aware of the world. I'm not. I don't sort of sit in my own bubble and not care. But I, at, at the same time, I'm not an economist. I'm not. You know, I'm not trained in any way to to sure. comment on 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 proper politics. But equally, for me, as a sort of um, lovable one world hippie I can't see the the benefit at all of of being removed from from that kind of environment I think it's better for us to all have common goals and common values and uh, and and a, a common aim and to be together that for me was the right way and and being part of the European Union as much as we ever were we were always a little bit for of it with our own um, pounds and all that kind of stuff but yeah you know, it, I, I think it was better and I, and I don't see honestly at all the benefit of Brexit. And there are many, many people in this country who, in the same way as you've just been describing, are, are quite ashamed now to to talk to, not to talk to people in Europe, but certainly to answer for our country in Europe because we've shunned it and, it, and it's despicable, really. I don't think it was the right choice for our country and many will disagree, I'm sure. And, and there are many that agree <laughs> of with course. Me, but you know it we'll have to see how it turns out but so far from what we're hearing of this so-called deal it it, it doesn't seem great to me at all yeah so, i i'm with you i'm I'm on the the one world hippie i i, I just yeah. don't see why why you leave something that's so good <laughs> no no like let's no, all be let's all be together and have one common goal and we'll move forward exactly See, that that's just, nice to me idea. that seems like you know let's all hug not this year but you know like sing kumbaya yeah. and it'll be fantastic yeah exactly yeah yeah yeah. Me, me too i think that's that's always been the way i mean my father moved to the south of france when i was only maybe 12 or so so i've been um back and forth from france he's back in the uk now actually as a result of brexit it just became um, oh, wow not really economically sound for him to stay over there because he worked for um people who holidayed in from the uk into france and and as an, an english speaker first language speaker he tended to get hired by those people who were holidaying from the uk and that those people have sold their holiday homes and stuff now and the work just was drying up and it didn't seem to be a sensible thing for them to stay so they didn't they weren't forced to come back to the uk at all but as as things started to work out it seemed to be the most sensible version for them so um but i i've loved being able to just just go just jump on a plane and go yeah. and, and there not be any questions about me going in or out and there's no no issue and um and and i i don't honestly know how that works right moving forward we, yeah we remain to see and obviously for friends of mine having met you through the touring industry my friends are, are in your industry and you know, it's looking now like they're not going to be able to tour without without visas in the, yeah in Europe, and that's that's a massive game changer for the whole industry. That that realistically puts, I guess, it quite likely that the European tour won't include the UK. There will be a UK tour and a separate European tour, and yeah, and that's huge. Yeah, that's that shit is crazy. The, that industry, it's it's not great i mean in an industry that's already suffering so much from covid oh god yeah uh, to then have it on the back of that as well i mean i met up with everybody in january february maybe it was for um the tpi awards which is like an industry awards ceremony and i was we were just in this room and the, 
and it was the very beginning people starting to know that covid might be the next big thing that that changed everything and brexit was just getting sort of starting to roll in the boris outlook of things and and everyone was just a bit worried you know really very worried and then obviously come come march it it all hit and and nobody's worked since and it's been a bit a bit crazy but yeah um yeah it's That's wild. yeah it's a worrying time all around really in the uk but for that industry certainly and for wow. many industries no doubt. yeah wow i mean yeah it's oh it's funny because yeah the first time i met you it was it was uh, i had a lot of thoughts when you started talking about like your dad coming back and like just the state of the worlds and everything and i was like man i remember my dad right before i left it was the first the first time i'd ever left this country properly was the the time i met you and i remember right before i left (laughs) yeah right before i left i um my dad dropped me off at the airport in buffalo and he was like you know when you're over there you're just gonna like you're gonna see how good you have it being here and and you're gonna miss it (laughs) and i okay yeah i know i was (laughs) holding i was holding in my laughter because all i could think was get me the fuck out of here immediately like i could Mm. not get on that plane quick enough oh bless and then i get over there and it was just so cool and actually really i think this is pretty neat you were the first person that i actually met like i mean i you know excluding like hotel workers and whatever but you're the first friend that i would say i had not in this country that i met in another country so that's pretty rad (laughs) that's very cool and it was what now seven i think seven years ago yeah which is just nuts to think about it's Mm. crazy and I mean, long it was so fun because you took us out and we just went all over London yeah. and it was so rad. I, <laughs> it was I had such, such a good day. It was such a good day. Yeah. And it was funny because I remember I like me, especially because I'd just never been and I was just kind of like leaving my phones out and you were like, don't do that. Don't do that. And I was like, yeah, oh, shit. Just, yeah, okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. Put that in your pocket. Don't just leave it there because it will be gone. But it was so fun. I just, yeah, that was that was definitely something that I remembered when you messaged me the other day. I was like, man, that was so oh, cool that you were my first, yeah. like, actual and friend. And no other tour ever got that treatment from me, ever, because when I met you guys, I'd just been recently promoted within my company. Um, I worked for a, a, a rental house, lighting rental house, so we rented the kit to your tour. And I'd only recently been promoted to deal with sort of full kits like that pre previously i'd been dealing with dry hires so just if someone needed an extra 10 lights or an extra lighting desk or whatever that was my kind of job was to give them just the kit and small amounts of kit at a time and your tour was the first time i'd kind of been trusted to put together an entire package for the tour and so i was like this is amazing and i've got real clients and and they're gonna come over and they're american and they're gonna come and see me or canadian i think half of them are. yeah and um so yeah, I kind of sort of came down. So they, you guys came into, or your um, lighting guys came into the warehouse, and we went out. I think for dinner, and then met up with you all in London, and we went round to London. And then I think I came to the gig in Manchester as well. Like I was so yeah. on that tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was all about. It. it was my favorite thing ever. And uh, and then and then yeah, I did a, a few more. I did like another year of that after I saw you guys, and then just packed it all in yeah (laughs) completely switched up my life which was 
a pretty monstrous um well brilliant thing to do but it but it was a, a huge decision but yeah no I've not been in that industry now for uh in fact my Facebook told me this morning that six years ago today I handed in my resignation with that company wow so congratulations years. that's amazing thanks <laughs> yeah. I mean it was it was sad and, it, and I loved that company and and when I met you guys I'm sure you'll attest to the fact that I could have sung from the rooftops that I had the best life in the world like I had totally. my own flat in London and and I loved my job and it was amazing and I got to go to gigs every night and I had the most brilliant group of friends around me and I had so much respect for the company that I worked for and I couldn't believe I was there and everything was just incredible and yet a year later I, I well I went on holiday and it just sort of flipped my life on, on its head really <laughs> yeah so yeah that's um that's that's super funny that you were you were like everyone was from the states and then you were like well i think canadian and it was funny because even from the first time i left this country traveling yeah. with canadians they were just like hey man it's easier just to say you're canadian because i was i was one of the only, <laughs> i think i was the only one yeah, from so. the states yeah definitely was the only yeah. one from the states and they were just like dude we're all canadian just say you're canadian and honestly it was so much easier to, to yeah. just say that I was Canadian because <laughs> I didn't have to answer to anything <laughs> states related. Yeah, just don't say you're from, the, from America. It's terrible. So uh, at <laughs> oh, least they, they, I mean, I learned a lot on that tour, but that was definitely one of them was just whenever you're traveling, just say you're from Canada. It's much easier, especially <laughs> these last four years. It's been, been far easier just to say yeah. I'm Canadian. Yeah, of course. <laughs> oh, man. Of course. So this is super fun for me because... Now it's been seven years since I've seen you, which is bonkers mm -hmm. to think about. Um, yeah. But we'll, I, I want to get to what you're up to now. But just tell me about like little Jen. Tell me about you growing up. Just tell me, tell me about your life, so I get to know you. <laughs> um, little Jen, uh, she was loud and obnoxious and slightly <laughs> brilliant, but in a very loud and obnoxious way. Um, no, I was, I mean, I've always been like a super outgoing person, I suppose. And, and, um, I grew up in Plymouth, which is Southwest of the UK in the, um, on the, right on the coast. My dad was in the Navy and it's a Navy port. Um, so I was born there, but all of my family, extended family are in, um, sort of North Wales and, and Merseyside and this kind of more North area that I'm in now. Um, so I was 18 years in Plymouth growing up, um, doing, I suddenly decided when I was, uh, I must've been, well, been 97 Titanic's fault, <laughs> that classic movie, Titanic, oh, yeah. um, that I wanted to be James Cameron. I saw stills of James Cameron in a massive tank with like a bigature of Titanic like it making it sink and stuff and I just it was the coolest job anybody had ever done like playing with big toys and making it look real it seemed yeah. like the best idea ever um so I was completely obsessed from what was that 97 so so 12 uh that I was going to be a film director and that so my whole life after that was gearing towards being a film director and it was you know youth theater and there were two groups so I did like on stage acting which I hated um <laughs> in one group and then managed to wheedle my way into doing like 
spot follow spots or or calling lines or whatever for the other group behind nice. the scenes which i loved so much more um and then i did all the the usual drama and media a levels and that kind of stuff and then i went to university to study film production and i found a great university in lincoln who rather than do film studies they did media production was the course so you had to make stuff rather than just critique other people's things which was cool um and i yeah i did that for three years um and by the middle of the second year i'd I'd kind of given up on film it sort of ruined it for me in a in a strange way because it had such this such passion for film and it had been my biggest escape and i loved it so much it was like had my heart entirely for my whole life and then i went and studied it and started to make it and met great people and some really good friends and then some other people who were just a bit too egocentric and (laughs) and i found it all a bit hard to kind of ruin my love of film but as luck would have it my university opened a student union venue Uh, which was like a 1600 capacity gig venue um in lincoln which is the weirdest venue you'll ever go to but it's (laughs) i I have such a big place in my heart for it because it made me really but it's a very odd venue it was designed by architects rather than anybody who has any knowledge of how to put a stage show together but (laughs) <laughs> and they, they rang me and were like, at this point, by this point, I'd randomly decided that I was going to be a director of photography because I didn't like actors much. Mm, and I yeah. wanted to play with, the, play with the models, but not the people. <laughs> so um, I was doing basically in, at university level, that's lighting, that's, that's making it look pretty. So I was always volunteering in all of my projects to be the lighting person, which was normally the job that went to the person who wanted to be director, but didn't get chosen. <laughs> right. Um, so I was one of the only people that they'd ever known to put myself forward for, for a lighting role. And they had opened this gig venue and wanted someone to run the lights in the venue. And they rang me up and said, do you fancy coming down and learning from the people who put the install in how to run the lights and, and do the lights for us on small shows and help the crews that come in on the bigger shows? And I was like, that's nothing like what I've been doing. You know, a redhead on a film set is nothing like a moving light on a stage, but sure, why not? You know, I'll come and give it a go. Yeah. And, um, and I ended up being like the head of lights, not knowing what I was doing in this venue and it's opening year. Oh, that's um, amazing. So for, for my last year of university, I worked as, as the lighting tech in, in the, uh, in the, in the student union which was a major step up from working in Pizza Hut, which I'd been doing for the rest of my <laughs> university. Yeah, um, I'd say. So, so I did that for a year and sort of fell in love with it. And, and I'd never really been into music much. All of my music upbringing was film soundtracks. It was cool songs that I heard in films. That was it. I didn't really follow bands and I wasn't really into um, specific genres or anything. I just liked what I heard on a film kind of thing. Uh, so I found this new kind of love for for film uh, for music and decided to to work in that to grow my love of music while um preserving my love of film by leaving it out of my professional life i suppose yeah uh, so when i left uni um i was lucky enough randomly the year before the summer before i'd got a job through my dad well not through my dad he told me it existed but in typical my father's style and this is probably why i've always been such an outgoing person he told me that the job was there but he wasn't going to put me forward for it he was like you want it you go get it i'm not going to tell them. you're my <laughs> daughter i'm not going to you, know, you you need to go and sell yourself 
off and get the job yourself. But he worked on a private yacht that was doing a seven week charter, which happened to coincide pretty perfectly with the seven weeks that I was off uni for the summer. Um, So I managed to get myself a job in, in the laundry of this private yacht washing rich people's clothes for <laughs> insane amounts of money cash in hand no tax because you're working at sea uh, oh, so sure. i paid off my uni debt for that year and then went back to uni with money in, in my pocket and bought everybody's rants for about three months afterwards <laughs> uh, and then after uni i went and did the same thing again on the same on the same boat and did another season and then came back to sort of start my epic journey in in um live music lighting and stuff and went and worked for a company in bristol who as a moving lights tech, again, flying by the seat of my pants, not really knowing how to fix a moving light, but you do enough of them and, and you figure it out. It's basically a big jigsaw puzzle. So I've always been kind of able to fall into a job and, and hit the ground running and see, ask the right questions, I guess, be brave enough to ask the right questions and not worry about looking like a bit of an idiot if you don't know. Yeah. And therefore, you know, learning on the job. And, and so, yeah, I was a moving lights tech for years in a few different companies. And then went and worked for Carnival Cruise Lines out of America for a year or so. Nice. As a, as a lighting tech the main lounge shows. Um, that was insane, but but great fun. We were out of, I was out of Mobile, Alabama for six months. Oh, wow. So that was, it was epic. Yeah. <laughs> Such fun. A moon pie um, capital of the States. Yeah. Cracker Barrel is my favorite thing in the world. <laughs> no. <laughs> so I had this discovery of Cracker Barrel when I was in Mobile. Um, oh, man, but yeah, so amazing. I went there for six months and then we had another, I had another contract, half of it out in New York and half out of, we, we uh, relocated to Fort Lauderdale about halfway through my contract. So, um, so both on that contract, which was great. And then I moved to London wow. and met you guys. Well, I did a stint in, um, in a, a theater company, a theater lighting company, and then got pillaged by, uh, the moving, the, um, control department of the company that I worked for when I met you and worked my way up from from warehouse through the office dry hires and then to projects which was where I got to meet you guys there you go Jen in a nutshell man that's so cool (laughs) there's so much in there notice I tell my whole story though by career like that's that's very much me like yeah what job was I doing at that time (laughs) I've always been very like it's all about the job so yeah um so yeah and I did a lot of traveling, like obviously private yachts. I was in the Mediterranean, so I was ported in Barcelona for most of it. Um, and then we would go up and down the Med Coast, depending on the will of the the person who was chartering or, or the owner of the boat, whoever was there at the time, would randomly up anchor and flit off to somewhere else. Yeah, um, that's so amazing. And then obviously travel with, with Carnival as well. So, yeah. yeah, did some great travel, but never, I think, similar to you, never really under my own sales more at the will of someone else but yeah saw some great places for it you know yeah funny enough that was exactly what i was going to ask you next was where your favorite places you went on on the private charter and i mean besides mobile alabama i mean it's hard to top mobile it is very hard to top mobile alabama <laughs> we had some excellent times there um were you there on the were you there oh, for on. any of their mardi gras celebrations in mobile no, we were, I mean, Mobile, because it was our dock day, we were only ever there really for a few hours during the day while they carted off a sure. bunch of people and put a few bunch of people on. Yeah. Um, but we were very lucky in that we dry docked for a week in Mobile as well. So most of the um, crew were signed off and got to go home or on holiday or whatever for a week while they did 
work on the ships engines and things but we as the tech crew um dismantled the rig and and cleaned it all up and got it like a complete restore of the reinstall of the rig um and got all the lenses cleaned and everything all the pyro sort of things so we got to stay and we worked during the day and went out at night and it was one of the weirdest experiences of my life but, <laughs> yeah. but it was great yeah i can really imagine great. yeah um, it was yeah there was bits of it that i loved and bits of it that i was not quite so sure about but um there's a, a piano bar in downtown mobile alabama which we spent a lot of time in uh which was good fun but um but that was the only time i was ever in the states in the dark ah, okay. every the full year i was there it was daylight hours only so <laughs> for that one week we were there <laughs> that's overnight. so funny <laughs> i love that description in the dark I was the yeah. I got to go in the dark, which is weird. Yeah. And then that piano bar, bless them, bless their hearts, nearly killed me. Um, I I'd been obviously working on a cruise ship for about four or five months by that point, and beers are a dollar in the crew bar, and you know we would would drink quite excessive amounts um, for the whole of my. So I was an all right drinker i wouldn't get drunk very easily and then we went out the first night we went out we were chatting to the bar staff and having a nice time with everybody and it was all good times and i left that bar after three drinks i, I probably couldn't tell you my name i was so drunk like i couldn't <laughs> deal with it and i genuinely thought that i'd been spiked like oh, i couldn't man. work out what had happened i was like this is really bad somebody get me home i'm and I felt awful the next day. Then, of course, we went back that night. Like, I was like, oh, hair of the dog. Let's go and get another drink. It'll be fine. Yeah. And I saw the guy behind the bar was the same guy. And I went in and said, um, you know, do you ever have a problem with spiked drinks or anything? Do I need to be careful? Because I went home from here last night. And he just went pale. And I was like, "Why? Do, what are you looking at me like that for? And he said, I just thought you guys were so much fun that I was like, I was dealing you triples instead of singles. Oh, okay. And I was like, dude, you can't, like, please don't ever do that to me again. I'll have a single. <laughs> yeah, I was drinking I don't know, something comfortable or something like that. But he was dealing me triples. So I'd yeah. had like nine drinks in a couple of hours and I was toasted. <laughs> like, yeah. bless him. He was like just trying to do something solid for someone that he thought was cool. And it, yeah, he nearly killed me. Oh, man. But it was sweet of him, nonetheless. <laughs> right, right. Not a great uh, idea, but yeah, I funny you say that. I close to there is Pensacola, and I actually, I actually did get roofied uh, one night on no, tour, I, and it was the most horrifying experience. So I'm glad you didn't have to go through that. It yeah. was absolutely horrifying. Like yeah, I lost, yeah. I lost control of everything. I like, I ran out in front of a police car. I didn't know it was a police car, but I just ran I, out in the middle of the road and like cut my toe, and they pulled their guns on me, and I'm shocked I didn't just get shot. You know, that's typically yep. how it goes yeah. here, I guess, because I'm white, mm. it kind of worked out. But bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's man, it's it is kind of scary in those those places. You never know, you know, so I'm glad you figured out that he was just being cool and slipping you some yeah, some very him. stiff drinks. <laughs> yes, very stiff drinks. Very, very bless him. Um, but yeah, no, it was good. But everybody was like ridiculously friendly and such sweet people and like proper salt of the earth lovely lovely people to me yeah and then you know there was there were moments where we'd be sat to people at the bar or whatever and their expressions would just drop and and i would i turn i remember vividly turning around to look at to see what on earth had just offended them so immensely and it was my solidly beautiful lovely friend who i worked on the ship with had come out to meet me for a drink 
and walked in and he was black. Uh, and these yeah. guys were just like, what the hell is he doing in here? And I'm like, whoa, okay, I'm, well, I, he's here to see me and I'm going to go and have a drink with him. So yeah. if that's not all right, then I'll I'll move away, you know, but we're going to be over here having a drink. And it was just the most awkward because I'd never experienced that before, ever. Yeah. That that just degree of that person's different and they don't belong here. It's It's not something that... I mean, racism is certainly still a thing in the UK too, but not in my world. It doesn't exist in my world at all. It's just my family are incredibly open and, and accepting of everybody. And and I just had never even considered it being a a problem before that that moment. And then yeah. I thought, oh God, this is it. This is real. This is, yeah. is this going to be trouble? And it was terrifying. It was terrifying. And Brilliant story. I was on that ship out of Mobile, Alabama, the day that Obama got elected. Ah, beautiful. My goodness, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's not <laughs> that's not a celebration area for that kind no, of that kind of change no. we, in the world. We, we had to keep very straight faces. Like the crew bar erupted when it was forecast that he was going to be president. It yeah. was just we were all so giddy, and then we had to walk out into the guest areas like try and keep a straight face don't smile everybody's really upset this is really bad like yeah it was, yeah it was experience yeah that one you know I, for as much good as as obama did I, I it's it's hard to think of it of like and i don't want to go too far into politics but like my thought on sure. it is like it was so good for this country to have that and like mm -hmm. traveling during that era was just so good and everyone was so hopeful yeah. and like you know something so different and then like i also think it just stirred up so much racism mm -hmm. like th yeah. that's always been there like you said it's in the uk it's all over yeah. the world it always is going to be and yeah. anyone that denies that is just absurd but i think it it just makes me so sad to think that like that eight years was just like brewing and brewing and brewing and brewing yeah. and then like and all of a sudden the way really for for Trump to be elected because yeah. it, it did as you say stir up so much we don't want this I yeah. mean there was a guy on the show that night that wasn't allowed to use his own karaoke backing track because of corporate copyright or whatever and he was told he couldn't use it and he was screaming down the Lido deck shouting about how there'd been a black man in the White House for 10 minutes and the world's already gone to shit and you think well that he didn't say you couldn't use your own CD what you know but that was his <laughs> take on the world was just well it's all ruined now because and and I think as you say it's it, it did just bring out the worst in some people and inspire someone like Trump to be able to stand up and say well I don't stand for that follow me instead and yeah. God knows how get himself into power and it's terrifying really but yeah but yeah maybe it, maybe the country wasn't ready for but they need to be ready you know right. those challenges need to be taken but it, it does yeah breed yeah. extra challenges for sure yeah i'm happy obviously i'm happy it happened but yeah i think it definitely like mm -hmm. there, there's a lot of so much good that came of it but also there's just such an mm -hmm. underlying wave of shit that mm -hmm. that came out of it as yeah. well <laughs> yeah absolutely and amazing absolutely. that you you know you were in this country in such a area that you know yeah. <laughs> you saw that firsthand mm -hmm. you know like i wouldn't even yeah, have yeah. to tell you you'd be like oh yeah no i i fully understand like 
Oh, it was terrifying. We did a show called Extreme Country, which I'm sure you can imagine was oh, epic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it finished with uh, Proud to be an American. Uh, with a you know confetti red white and blue confetti a flag drop pyro the whole the whole shebang and um and every week it was just this eruption of people standing that what's the lines and i'll gladly stand up next to you and defend mm-hmm. her still today or something along those lines and the whole crowd would stand up there'd be hats being thrown whooping and hollering like it was insane one of my friends who was the sound tech the first day was like you wait for this you, you're like this <laughs> and it was it was really lovely to see people being so like excited about their country and it's great and the day that we that that election happened we had an extreme country show and we did two shows a night for opposite dinner seating and um on the first see the first show all of the southern states had said who'd been who'd won and whatever so it was looking good for the republicans and everybody like it was the biggest eruption you've ever seen and then between the two shows um it was forecast obama had been elected and i genuinely was worried for the dancers who were lined up singing this song with their hands and their hearts in front of like not very far away audience because people were literally you know taking their arms from around their wives so that they could cross their arms and look all stern and annoyed and it was just like nobody made a sound i don't think there was even applause at the end of the show like it was so Wow. It was such a switch from three hours earlier. Holy really shit. odd situation to to witness as somebody who was very keen on the outcome of that election, right. even selfishly. You know, it does yeah, yeah. have an impact globally, and anybody right. who denies that idiotic. Yes. Um, but but it wasn't my election. You know, I wasn't part of it. But to witness it from yeah. from the outside was was very strange. It was a really weird experience, but one that I'm glad I had because I totally think as you say I've got a better understanding now of of actually the reality of it we can all sit here and, and watch news programs and see the the way that it's presented as to whether or not there is or isn't you know racism and, and corruption or whatever in the states but to have witnessed that and experienced that you you couldn't explain to me in any better way than just sitting in that room that one day yeah so oh absolutely it and- was a good experience to have that that's exactly right. I I was just gonna say you you got it firsthand. Like the best mm. news you could ever see was just experiencing it in that yeah. way. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. All right. Um. So on the note of travel, and I mean it, it's it's funny that it comes up this way because I always talk about like travel and culture and just like getting to appreciate different cultures that you're in, and it's really funny that it presented itself yeah. in that way today. hearing about (laughs) the culture here or the lack of culture um in all your travels because i know you've traveled quite a bit what where's your what's your favorite place you've been Ooh, um my favorite place i've been i know that's a tough one (laughs) it might not be that but i mean i love barcelona is insane it is entirely your place you have to go there it's super bohemian and it's fabulous and you'd love it if you haven't been go i have not um, and I... I was oh, yeah you should man it's it's very up your street i think yeah i i flew through there i went to madrid and i loved madrid mm. and mm-hmm. then i flew through barcelona and i had i had a layover and i was i was very tempted to take a cabin to the city and just walk around the city mm. center and then go back to the airport but then 
I had I had a longer customs than I thought I would, so I didn't get to. But yeah. it's definitely on my list of places to go. Yeah, it's it's a great city. I mean, it's it's got its uh, same as London, like you know, keep your phone where you can see it and that <laughs> right. kind of stuff. It's a tourist central place, and and there is a La Ramblas is famed for stuff going missing out of bags, but it's worth it for the um, the architecture is incredible, and there's just some amazing um history in that city it's wonderful it's a really lovely place to see um but i like the kind of smaller uh, town like when my dad lived in the south of france he lived near nice and Cannes, and those cities are amazing but there's a, a smaller port town called antibes which is a bit further down and it's it's more um kind of villagey i suppose and it's everybody knows each other and you can go and stand in a bar and you'd never you never just talk to the people that you with it you end up in a conversation with others and I think that's what I like I, I'm a small town person more than a I mean Antibes isn't small but it's much smaller than Cannes um I'm not really a city girl yeah. as it um so I like those sort of little little places and and um sort of villagey stuff which I never really got to see huge amounts of especially in sort of America and the Caribbean and that that kind of area where I was traveling with carnival because you saw the cruise ports and they're all right. they all look the same they yeah. Were, yeah, <laughs> they've yeah. all got a tequila bar and a, and a diamond shop and um <laughs> yeah uh Saint martin was fabulous i really enjoyed st martin we did um a lot of america's cup yacht days out like they pretend to race but it's just a booze cruise on a, on sure. a yacht really but it was <laughs> it was lovely yeah, I, I sailed my dad's a sailor and i sailed when i was a kid um, so it was great to get on a real, you know, they're retired America's Cup yachts. And, and that was, was such a treat to to be able to sail properly in, in the boat like that was incredible. That was really good fun. Um, so St. Awesome. Martin and St. Thomas, those kind of island places I really, I really like. Um, and then and then in the UK, really, as well, you know, I like getting around the UK. And there's a lot of incredible um, countryside here. Mm-hmm. Uh and and Rossilli was was an absolute highlight. There's a place called Rossilli Bay in South Wales, and okay. it's just the most incredible place I've ever been. And that that was the holiday that that just finished my my career and started me off on my new path because it made me think a bit too much about whether I actually enjoyed my life because it was so nice there. I was like, why do I live in London? I'm not a city girl. I want to be here. So. Yeah. Um, that's so cool yeah so that yeah and it was such a blessing of a trip too because um I hadn't chosen it I hadn't gone right I'm gonna I've never really been on holiday much uh, a couple of times but I've always traveled for work and and then when I've been given the opportunity to go on holiday or I had some time off or had enough money to travel I would go like down to France and see my dad or I'd go and visit my parents and my family up here or whatever so I'd never really just sort of picked a point on a map and gone somewhere on holiday. But my flatmate and really good friend from uni I used to live with in London, her sister won a competition to go and stay in this building called the Old Rectory in Rossilli, which is basically the the only building in in Rossilli Bay. There's nothing else there. It's like a cliff that that drops down onto the bay and it levels out about two thirds of the way down into a flat piece of grass that the Old Rectory is sat on and then it drops again to the beach and that's it. There's nothing else. That's amazing. And she won this competition to spend a week in this tiny building in the middle of a cliff 
on a bay in South Wales. And it was just incredible. And because magical. it had to be taken, yeah, man, you should look it up. It's, it's epic. I'll send you the spelling because you'll never find it otherwise. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, it had to be taken in non-peak times. So she, all her friends, she was older than us and all her friends were sort of married kids and, and could only go on holiday during school holidays and that kind of stuff so she rang her sister and said do you want to come and that fits six people so you know bring some friends if you I'm, i love all your friends bring them all along kind of thing so we all went down there for the weekend and there was an extra space at one end of the week because someone had to leave early so they asked my mum, bless them if she wanted to come too so my mum came down from north wales where she was living at the time looking after my nan who had alzheimer's and my mum had moved in with her to be her carer and she deserved a holiday more than anyone in the world. So they Definitely. invited her for a couple of days break to stay with us in Rossini. And um, I'd been there for a few days already. And my mum came to stay and she, we went for this sort of walk on the, on the cliffs. And we were overlooking the cliffs talking about the house prices there and how are they, wouldn't it be great to live here? And it must be two or three million a house in that area. Like it's ludicrous money. Um, and then, but the, the other end of the bay, there's like a, caravan site and I was like well I would live in a caravan and clean caravans for a living for you know four yeah. hours a day to just then sit on the beach for the rest of the day and I'd be blissfully happy totally and in that random throwaway statement my life just unraveled completely <laughs> because I started to see the cracks of my story of I love my life and it's incredible and I you know I've got a flat and I've got all these people and I've got this job that's amazing and people would give their right arm for and and I did, and it was all epic, but I don't think it was ever really me. It, uh, and I, as much as I enjoyed it at the time, you know, now I look back on it, I mean, being in tears was a routine thing for me when I lived in London. It's wow. such a high-stress place that I was constantly just, like, now I can see it. Now I look back on it, I can see that I was so stressed and my temper was short and and little things annoyed me and 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 the smallest problem could become such a huge drama because I was just so constantly highly strung the whole time. Yeah. And I'd go home from work and like cry myself to sleep because I'd made an error or something had happened or I don't know, you know, any number of reasons why it was just I wasn't happy that day. And yet you asked me and I'd be like, oh, I've got the best job in the world and I live in the best city and I've the most wonderful people and it was such a weird thing to go yeah. to Resilient and go, wow, God, this is this is so tranquil and so beautiful and so peaceful. And I can be, you know, alone with my own thoughts for five minutes, which is terrifying when you haven't allowed yourself to think for 10 years. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's a, it's a big deal, you know. Yeah. Um, so and, and I just yeah, things started to crack and I went back to London and I was just like, I don't really like this. Anymore. I'm not really not really feeling it. <laughs> And I'd had this crazy plan um, that I'd sort of been spouting to people for years about how when I retired, I wanted to retrain as a, uh, a therapist and have a plot of land somewhere with horses and dogs and whatever that people could come to like a retreat. And rather than sit in a room with someone and have a therapy session, we could go out on a hack on the horse and chat to the therapist while you're riding the horse or go for a walk with the dogs or go and muck a stable out and have a conversation with someone while you're busy doing something rather than just sitting across the room from them. Yeah. And um, my mum, bless her, was like, 
well, if you don't like your life in London anymore, I need a job. You know, she'd sold her house and moved in with her mum and there would come a point at which she would need to move out of that. You know, when Nan went into care or she would need a place to live, which she could buy because she had the money from her previous house, but she wanted it somehow to earn her some money. Yeah. Okay. Um, but she didn't have any time to actually set up a business or buy a house and do it up or any of that kind of stuff. And I'd bought a flat in London which had rocketed somehow by about 65 grand in the house market. So selling that would have gained me 65 grand. So we came up with this crazy plan. Well, why don't we do something with animals then? I've worked with rescue since I was a a baby. Like as soon as I was allowed to walk a dog, I was in rescues, walking dogs. And I could never have one because I was never in the situation to do so. But it was always that payoff was that I would work with rescues so that I had my fix of animals while I was, you know. She said, well, you know, it doesn't have to be like a therapy retreat, but we could do something with, you know, why don't we get a boarding kennels or something like that? And and maybe that would be a way forward. And and when I'm no longer looking after your nan, I can come and help out and be a second pair of hands and we'll go in on it. I'll give you all of my money. Crazy wow. woman. I'll give you all <laughs> of my money, buy a house and set up a business. As long as it feeds me and and houses me through retirement, you can you can do what you want. And That's I mean, incredible. it was the biggest gift anybody has ever given me. It was, it, it was just, and it was worked and we were always terrifying and it was, but I put my house on the market and I thought if, if I can sell my house and I can get a decent amount of money for it, we can do this. And it, it all happened a bit quicker than I expected. And within like a month I'd sold, sold my house and handed in my resignation with Neg and, and I was moving up North and we looked at kennels because I've always been a dog person. Um, but but she sold it. She twisted it. She's very clever, my mother. She knew that I'd done this thing with music and film when I was studying. Yeah. She was like, you won't like dogs if you make them your um, your business. Yeah, what, okay. what about you have your own dog and we do cats for the business? <laughs> because you know, I'm like, really, cats? Yeah. And well, now I have four cats of my own, and um, and a, and we we have a we run built from scratch and started in in Southport in Merseyside. Uh, a boarding cattery which we look after people's cats when they go on holiday if they're ever allowed to go on holiday again and right. <laughs> um and and also i've become heavily involved in local rescues here and we have this incredible um rescue pen on site here which i do um cats who are in need of serious healing some mm. you know for example we have three at the moment one has a quite gross story but a burst abscess wound on his chest so mm. he needs dressings and stuff like that one of them has a really broken pelvis and potential paralysis in his back end so he's on crate rest at the moment and we have madam who i sent you a video of earlier with a stroppy tail yeah she's um she just needs a bit of an attitude assessment she's been <laughs> returned from two homes because she's bitten her owners she's been rehomed and got just got so stressed in the new environment and they've tried to calm her down to with too handsy an approach i suspect and um so she's come to me to to decide whether or not she wants to like people and she's currently curled up on my lap and has been asleep on my lap this entire conversation so there's hope for it but you know so so (laughs) in she was completely right i i have my own dog and she is my world and and i love her to bits but i now have a a real passion for uh, not only cats uh, as pets but the psychology of cats and and uh, helping them through difficult 
transitions and also their behavior and why they operate in certain ways and have been studying all of that since I got here. So it's, yeah, huge life change, but definitely, um, but definitely all for the better, you know, it's, and not for everybody, you know what I mean? I don't think everybody should <laughs> right. suddenly pack up their life if they had a difficult day and move to the coast and get a cathary. But it, it took a lot for me to be sort of honest with myself, I suppose, about uh, what I actually wanted out of life because I'd been following a path of career and, um, you know, the life goals for so many years. Sure. And lots of people said, you know, you've been working at this for 10 years. Do you want to throw it all away? You know, throw it all away came up a lot in, as, a, as a, a, a phrase in this transition. And I was like, I'm not throwing anything away. I'm just, I've just done it. I've finished that now. And yeah. now I'm going to do something else, you know. So um, it was a big decision. Yeah. And one is... not for everybody, but but it it's been the making of me completely. I, I think they say you don't get a second chance at a first impression, I suppose, on people, but I'd be inclined to say that if we met again, you'd be meeting an entirely different person to, to the girl that you met seven years ago. Yeah. Much less of a mask. You know, you'd meet the real the real me rather than the Definitely. the version of me that was supposed to be what I was trying to do down there, you know. Yeah. So yeah, it's been a that's incredible. <laughs> I love that. I love but, uh, that so much. I'm just like, you can't see me, but I'm, my cheeks are hurting because I'm smiling so much. I just love this. <laughs> I love this story. And I mean, much yeah. the same, like I didn't really shift um, careers as, as my, at all, but I, you would meet a whole different me. <laughs> I'm a far different exactly. person with my journey yeah, yeah. and my sobriety and all that you know absolutely that was absolutely. when i met you it was like the start of my darkest period of my life so mm -hmm. you would you saw me in a in a joyful part because i was not in yeah. the states but it that that was definitely <laughs> the like slippery slope i was i was going down but um yeah, man yeah. i think it's so like you said the psychology of cats i mean how <laughs> fascinating I yeah, have it's really yeah. I have I, three feral cats outside of the house that I live oh, really? in with my partner and they were her neighbor's cats and mm -hmm. he passed um and she kind of lured them over and she feeds them, you know, and then I got here and I love, 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 love animals. I am a sucker for all animals, big and small. And so I, I fell in love with these cats and it's, it is like my joy every morning I wake up and I get to go feed them. And one of them lets me pet her and her name is Violet. Okay. And I just, I love her. I'll send you a photo and I'll send you some, some, yeah, dude, some please. videos. She's just adorable. And the other two, uh, one is Violet's mom and she's just, she's just feeling it out. We call Lindsay called her eyes because she just always has shit hanging out of her eyes. She is just like a gloopy mess in her eyeballs yeah. every time. So her name's eyes. Then there's another one called two. And I think he's deaf, which is really sad. So, uh, but they're both, those two are very standoffish with me. And then Violet so has just been like, the most loving sweet girl she just purrs all the time until like the other day she she caught a bird and i got really sad and like i ran her off and then the bird still passed and i was like what do i is that like interfering with yeah. nature and then i made the bird suffer and you know that whole I know, it's difficult isn't it? uh, i'm like because nature's a cruel fucking then... thing <laughs> and i i want to oh, help yeah, but, but it... I... 
actually it's not really nature because we introduced cats domestic cats to i think both america and the uk that so the the bird population of the uk has been set upon by what we decided we wanted to have as, as our right. pets so <laughs> they are you know the, the the small bird population of the uk is certainly in decline as a result of so many people having pet cats that, yeah. are, that are allowed to go outside and roam and do what they want so I mean, if you can save them, all the better, I think. But yeah, it, yeah I will always they're going to die anyway. Then, yeah. then potentially, it's it's a harsher way to go to go slowly. But yeah, you know, I, I'll always error on saving them, though. Absolutely, um, yeah, yeah, definitely. I have to tell you this story just because I think you'll enjoy <laughs> it. But when we, before we left for the summer, we we bought a van and drove around the country and stayed yes, away from people, so and it was rad. <laughs> it was so good, but. The story involves little sweet little Violet. She came in one. She came in the in the backyard one day, and she just looked like hell and was not happy and was just like running away from me. And I was like, Violet, what's wrong? Anyway, I didn't necessarily know this, but when animals are sick and not you know not doing well, they like to hide and like be away from everybody yeah. and like go you know. So I was I, I learned that lesson. But me being the caretaker, I was like, oh, my God, I have to make Violet better. Like, what's going on? We, you know, we were going to trap her and, like, take her into the vet. But she just would, you know, obviously wouldn't come. She just stayed under this bush in the house next to next to ours. And so, I like, mm-hmm. I would go and check on her all the time. And I was just getting so bummed because she was just so sad. And she's very young. I think she's not even two. So she's very, very young. And sure. Anyway, flash forward, it was like a day and a half later, and I'm just standing at our back door. And I'm not even joking on the timeline of this. Lindsay could come in and be like, it's 100% true. I was just like super bummed out. I was like, man, I really just, I don't want to find a lump of violet, you know, like that's going to severely bum me out. And I was just standing at the back door and I was like, God damn it. I just wish violet would walk by right now. And literally, as I said that, here she comes like pitifully walking up and I'm just like, I break out in tears and I run outside. Well, I didn't run cause I knew it would freak her out, but I go outside and she was just like, like, you know, her typical, like, but kind of sad, you know, just like meowing at me. And mm-hmm. I just started petting her. And then she actually just like sat in my lap and I was like, Oh my God, she's never done that before. And she just sat there for like 30 seconds. And then, I was like, are you hungry? And she just went nutso. So I went and got food and I fed her and I sat with her for like 10 minutes and then she kind of ran off again. And I was like, well, I hope I see you in the morning. But it was like one of these, like one of the most just rewarding. And at the same moment, I said, I just wish Violet would walk by. And then there she went. And then we had this beautiful moment. And now she's great, except she kills birds. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's lovely, especially when you have animals who are not super responsive, not super trusting, not sure how to deal with you to then have that connection with them is is incredible. Like it, it's such a gift um, to not necessarily. I'm not hu- a huge advocate for like taming feral cats and forcing them to be inside when they don't want to. I think that's unnecessary and, and, yeah. and not what they want, but certainly... Um, like my dog, for example, is a Romanian rescue. She came over right. from, from Romania to a UK rescue and then I rehomed her from there. Um, but since then, I've had the pleasure of um, getting to know the woman who rescued her in the first place. And and I offered her 
the opportunity to sort of use and abuse my skills for a week and I the only holiday I've had in ages I took 10 days off work and went to Romania to stay in the shelter that that Rita came from that's so amazing um, a lot of the dogs I'm now still heavily involved with the rescue that Rita came from here and a lot of the dogs that come over obviously it isn't as straightforward as as adopting um a dog in the UK certainly like a bred dog from from a breezer or whatever but i think all dogs come with and a need to to do something to to step out your comfort zone and train in some way or whatever but the beautiful rewards of of them being these sort of romanian frightened worried dogs is to see them relax after a yeah. few weeks or a few days or whatever and for them to let down that wall of worry and come and put their head in your hand or and yeah. spend a bit of time with you wag their tail when they see you or any of that is just it's just the most brilliant gift when you know that you've made that breakthrough with them and they feel comfortable and confident and calm and you know even this cat that i've got sat on my lap now she's been returned from two homes for biting and she, i mean she's she growls at me bless her because she doesn't seem <laughs> to know what she's doing she's like she'll rub up against your leg while growling at you as if a bit of a warning as to yeah i'm gonna test the waters here and see how we get on but if you move too quickly i'm gonna right, sink right. my teeth into your leg that's yeah. gonna work kind of um i think she's just very confused by life and and what she's supposed to get out of it but the more i sit here on the phone and and let her just lie on my lap and and not get poked at not get worried not me not try and pick her up or move her or do anything with her just let her be there comfortable and happy and and not being you know attacked in any way the more she's going to learn that it's okay to let your guard down around people and to yeah. be comfortable inside and happy to to be around. And hopefully, eventually, the result will be that we'll be able to find her a home where, you know, they they understand her needs and they have some patience to let her settle properly and not not be too full on with her, but where she can then spend a life. And that's yeah. a hugely enriching thing for for anybody to I think to adopt a a needy animal or an animal that you have to understand and try and help them through a problem will create such an incredible bond between you and that animal that it's worth every scratch or whatever you have to go through to get there so yeah well i'm i'm happy to contribute to to her and her comfortability so i'm i'm, I'm happy to help with that <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah i think that's such a <laughs> I, I think that's such a beautiful gift like i think I would absolutely love to do what you're doing. I think I would, and I'm sure you feel this as well, but when you, when one gets adopted, I feel I would be just my heart. I would lose a little bit of my heart every time that <laughs> an animal yeah, that I, I rehab. I think there's a lot of, I mean, we don't have our own rescue here. We don't, we're not, I'm not the head of a rescue. I never could be. I don't have the, um, the, I don't know how they do it, to be honest. They're incredible people that run rescues. What we do is is foster for uh, a, yeah. a number of local rescues because we have a um, a setup here which is is good for different. Like normally, putting a cat into foster, they just go into a kind of home environment and it's all very normal. When you have an animal that needs six weeks of crate rest because they broke their pelvis, that's not something that's super easy to find in a foster. So sure, we yeah. offer that kind of space, that kind of healing. Um, space and and that kind of idea to a couple of different local rescues um but a lot of the fosterers that's what you know they're burst into tears when they go and that kind of stuff and 
and it is you do miss them but through the power of social media you, of course, you can yeah. keep up with their stories and all the rest of it which is great yeah. but i think for me and and thankfully my family are the same because i've thoroughly inflicted this we're going to foster these animals on my family as well because because i live with them yeah um they you know they have to go through it almost as much as i do we keep them outside for the in this pen for the for the most part so they don't have to be super involved but there are occasions where they sneak into the house um we have one in the house at the moment who through absolutely no fault of his own has also been returned twice from homes mm. um which is just a nightmare because when he arrived he was 12 weeks old and i can't in good faith put a 12 week old kitten in a pen outside they get to come in the house that's yeah, how it no. works he was pa- he was paralyzed at his back end he's got uh. a broken front paw um that's broken and reset before he ever came to us so it sits at a sort of he looks like a if you can imagine a butler with a or a waiter with a um towel over their arm he sits in that kind of position <laughs> with one of his front arms um <laughs> which is fun um, yeah. but he so he was a severely disabled cat that we d- genuinely didn't know whether he was going to survive or not so he got to stay in the house and because of the way it's worked out with his healing and his rehab and and how he's had to um be weaned very slowly off medications and this kind of stuff in order to be the cat he is now which is uh you know off all medications not on any um painkillers at all and running around and happy and and everything it's great for his for his world still disabled still crooked but but working and functioning and has a great quality of life that's taken really quite a long time and actually yesterday i think it was was his first birthday so we've had him from from three months to a year and he's being adopted at the end of this month beautiful and because he's been in the house as well you know he's been there with my mom and my sister stays with us at the moment as well so we've all been through his kind of journey together as a family because he's been in the house um and and everybody's like how could you possibly rehome him you'll never be able to say goodbye and you know what we've always said all three of us that uh, goodbye is the goal that's our motto goodbye is the goal if we can get that cat to the point where he's able to go and have a normal life with a normal family that that will love him forever and look after him and he will be their one and only awesome dedication then we've done our job and that's a that can only be a good thing so yeah. as much as we might miss having him around and it may feel a bit quiet for a while, it's it's a very good day, the day he gets adopted. Yeah, I they love that. It, so. That's so beautiful. Yeah. So we look forward to it. We've got two more weeks because the people who are going to take mm-hmm. him are having some work done on, on the house. Okay. Um, but as soon as they're ready, he, he shoots off at the end of this month. And hopefully, third time lucky, that will be the um, the, the the making of him. And yeah. they're actually previewing adopters who've taken a disabled cat from me before so i know them well and i know that they'll do right by him and Beautiful. yeah so it's going to be going to be a good day i think when he goes but yeah. yeah eight months that's our longest so far we've had a six month before wow in the, church, not in the house but um but yeah we've, eight months is our our longest serving that's so, foster. so, <laughs> so brilliant i just love i love that there, uh, there's so much heart in that that's so what a what a just gift you're giving back to those animals and it's so it's got to oh, be so rewarding that's so beautiful it's a huge gift for me as well yeah it's it's a massively rewarding well, especially, way to spend your time especially like like you said falling asleep you know working in this industry falling falling asleep 
crying every night and just yeah. like yeah. what the yeah. fuck am i doing here and then to move exactly, to this of yeah. like this is exactly what i'm doing this is so yeah. rewarding yeah. and you know ah oh, man what a and i love my job too you know it, my job is great but it but it does just afford me the ability and the facility to do what i really love which from the age of 14 has been working with rescues and now i get to do that almost as much as my job so it's it's not just a hobby that i get to do once a week if i'm lucky it's an everyday thing that i'm doing all day every day and although i don't get paid for it it is you know we rehome cats and then they go back to stay in the category so it does kind of help um yeah. promote i suppose the business and they both they they help each other out and caring for animals while they're here a bit worried because their owners have gone on holiday without them kind of thing is is just as much of a a rewarding thing as as looking after a sick one so yeah, yeah it does feel very much like i've I've landed on my feet and I, and and I'm glad to be doing something that is honestly very me, you know. Yeah. And that that works in kind of right across all all walks of life. I mean, I think when I when I first spoke to you a few days ago and I, and I said that things have been different, I, I think the way I explained it was I no longer drink or date and my head is better for it, you know. And that totally. all comes from from the same um kind of voyage of discovery as as giving up as it were my previous career yeah I then started to analyze all the other bits of my life and, and what I liked about it and what I didn't and you know and tell myself that it was okay to say yeah I may not I maybe being in a bar drunk on a night out trying to pull some guy is not how I want to spend my downtime but instead I would rather go for a, a four-hour walk with a really good friend and a couple of cute dogs you yeah know? that's my socializing now that's how i that's how i operate and 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 i i don't really get an awful lot out of drinking i've not i've never had the kind of relationship that you had with alcohol i've never needed it in any way yeah um and i've never used it to uh feel better or anything like that but equally when i did drink and i if i got drunk i would feel like i'd lost control mm -hmm. and it, that feeling of losing control because I'm such an epic control freak um, panicked me to such a degree that I've been drunk to the degree where I've had horrific panic attacks yeah, over just not quite being able to stay upright properly freaked me out to such a degree that I was having huge panic attacks and you know and it it just doesn't serve me alcohol it doesn't it I'm a social enough bubbly enough I suppose happy to talk to anybody kind of person as it as it is i don't need it to feel social right and i was only a social drinker so therefore it becomes null and void i suppose and there's been so many stories of people who mean the world to me that have told a story of just the worst day of their lives and so many of them start with oh and i've had a few too many drinks or right. you know that it just it started to strike me as something that doesn't really need to be in my world so and it wasn't a difficult thing to give up because it wasn't something that was hugely prevalent but right i don't i don't need it so i don't drink and and then i think i spent a lot of time in london sort of deciding that i wasn't happy because i only had my career and i needed um other other thing you know i needed a life i needed a partner and, a, and another half or whatever and so i i tried to scale back my working hours a little bit so that i could go out and date and find you know and it was just the worst experience in my life honestly i've just 
for some people it's it's everything you know having a partner and, yeah. and and sharing their life with someone but for me personally it just it it just isn't me it's not something that I enjoy in any way it brings me no joy yeah <laughs> <laughs> and I love sharing my world with other people yeah but it but that doesn't have to be a intimate or sexual or whatever relationship in order for me to give the whole of myself to another person I do that with my friends you know right and and that those relationships for me are so important and I think that was the hardest one to break because I always felt like and everybody says to you oh you're just waiting for the right person and and they they might be right you know I'm never going to say I'm never going to date again I might meet someone who's exactly up my street and perfect for me and I can't say no yeah but it, it took a lot for me to say to myself that you don't really want that and that's not a bad thing it's it, that's completely okay and that was one of those things that I just went right okay I'm also not going to start you know trying to find somebody to go out with or, or spend more time with I, I just will spend time with the people that I love to bits and that doesn't have to be anything other than a friendship and and that's taken such a huge pile of stress off my shoulders because I always felt like I hadn't I was failing at life because I hadn't found my partner in it and I was supposed to be with someone else. And it just, it's just not the case. It's just not true. Yeah. You know, I could be, and it could be a really nice thing for me to have, but I don't need it. And I don't need to feel bad for not having it. And that was the other thing that that change in my life. And I moved up here and I just became so much more relaxed because I didn't feel like I had to put on a show to be, the person that someone would want to date I could just be myself and be more honest about who I was and you know I no longer wear makeup or and I look like a um zookeeper half the time you know but <laughs> I'm, I'm so completely comfortable in my own skin and my world now that I and I don't need somebody else to to make it okay for me to be that person you know what I mean yeah so no, yeah that. it was a lot a lot of big changes but it but it I'm I'm definitely the more honest version of myself now, which is yeah a really pleasant place to be. And I think that's true of you as well. I think you're still that kind of smiley, really friendly, so cool to be around guy. But there is much more of an honesty to the photos of you, like grinning ear to ear around your travels. It seems yeah. to be a, certainly the, the the truer version of yourself, which is really lovely to see. Yeah, it is. It's it's I love. I, you know, I'm I'm smiling massively right now listening to you with with you telling us, you know, talking about you finding this this peace inside of you. I love that. And yeah. yeah, I mean it was yeah, it was a really like I said earlier, it was it was the start of a really dark page of my life. I mean, it took me to the edge of death. And you know, once you get to that, it's like, okay. I have to figure some shit out in my life and I have to find what I love. And um, I've said it a bunch, but I, I mean, there was this one song lyric that always stuck with me and it was just snails see the benefit, the beauty in every inch. Mm. And I just, I got fascinated by that, especially when I was starting into my, so, you know, my sober journey and it just, it, I really did. I fell in love with life and I found, I found what made me happy and what, what brought me joy. And, you know, I, I let, exactly. I let down those like, oh, I have to be this for my parents. I have to be this for this certain group of friends, or I have to be this, you know, like you compartmentalize yourself into 
you know, all these different parts of these different rooms you walk in of like, oh, I'm I'm in I'm in Ohio. I have to be this to these people. Exactly. Then I, I go on tour and I'm this to these people and like perfect strangers. They can just meet the real me because they don't know me. And, that, you know, and mm-hmm. I, I just I finally was just like, no, I can't. I can't do that anymore. I'm I'm fully just going to be me because I almost lost everything. So I realized just how fragile life is. And I was like, it's not worth hiding that anymore or just not being my true self and being fully who I Absolutely. am, yeah, yeah. you know? So yeah, it was, it was, it's you been know. a really, you know, a really good awakening of, of all of that in me as well. So I love that. I love that you've been on that journey and that you've, you know, had, had animals along the way with that. I yeah. think that's such a beautiful like, addition to it. <laughs> I think oh, someone man. else on your podcast said that someone had like left, left the touring industry because they wanted a dog. And that's essentially exactly what I did. Yeah. I mean, I, I understand so that. about the idea of not being able to have an animal permanently. I had rats when I lived in London. Right. Pet rats. They were <laughs> They're like tiny dogs. You can train them to do tricks and all sorts. They're awesome. That's but amazing. It's not quite the same as having a dog, you know. Right. And I just, you know, I just got to the point where I was so fed up with the idea there was a dog that I wanted to take home, and I never got to. Um, but there was, I just, I just couldn't get past the idea that I couldn't have an animal in my life, and it seemed like such a basic right. But I was doing eighty-hour weeks, and and there was, I right. couldn't put an animal through that. So yeah. Um, I, I I literally did leave leave London so I could have a dog and, and it took me another I think three or four years to get Rita. I had four cats by the time I got her, but um yeah. but yeah, she was she's just been a lost total gift. And I think that's that's what people need to strive for. It's not you know, I'm not gonna tell everybody don't date because it's stupid or get an animal because it's the best thing you'll ever do or um or or you need to be in a career doing this or give up your life or anything, you just need to be honest about it. It's that yeah. simple. Yeah. You just need to figure out what, what it is that makes you feel calm again. Yeah. And, and strive for that because, and don't get me wrong. I realized insanely the gift that I was given in being able to just walk away from my life. It was, it was an incredible uh, thing to, to be given that opportunity but and not everybody's in that boat but certainly right need to figure out what's serving you and what's not and leave the things that are not serving you and and, and are making your life difficult or, or hard or sad or yeah and have the courage to say people may tell me that i need those things people may tell me that i'll feel better if i've got a boyfriend but that might not be your truth and yeah it's okay for you to be different from everybody else if it if it makes you happy, you know. Yeah, yeah. Be weird. It's good. It's a good thing. Yeah, for sure. You know. <laughs> I th- yeah, I, yeah. I know, and, and like you said, it, it's not in everyone's you know capacity to do that. But I, you know, even even just little truths in your life, you know, just admitting to those and and yeah. like adapting your life to it. It doesn't have to be changing your full life and leaving a career and doing that because obviously you know like you have to get by and you know you can't not everyone can do that but you know I think I think this time of you know of COVID I think or I hope that if anything that people have just taken the the beautiful fact that we've all been given the gift of time back to figure out and think and you know people in these these 
unbelievably high paced jobs, you know, like my brother, he was a chef and he was doing 110 hour weeks and never seen his, his wife. And, you know, now he gets to, and he's playing music again. And, you know, I, I hope that people have taken that step back and like truly enjoyed this time. I know, I know a lot of people are like bored and ready to get back to it, but you know, I'm like, this has been a beautiful gift of just like slowing the pace of life down. You know, it's like the, the amount of times I hear, Oh, I don't have time to do that. Now it's like, you do have time. So take this time, use this time because it's so valuable because it's your life. These hours that we all are staying home and doing what we're doing, it's like, make them, you know, learn the guitar or do something or read more. If you've always wanted to read more, if it's just that simple of what that, that, that would bring you joy is just reading a book a week or whatever it may be, you know? take the time because once the world comes back spinning it's gonna go fast again and i i hope people just sure like it's gonna go faster i think because everybody's gonna need to make up for what they've missed you know right work work longer hours in order to pay off the bills that they haven't managed to pay at this time you know this yeah. is honestly me and my mom did so much first first lockdown we like we completely renovated the garden and and we were doing so much work myself and a very good friend of mine started um, committed to uh daily yoga practice which yeah we've never done before and it battered us but it was incredible and i'm still loving it um and it just such a even if it's only 10 minutes just taking that yeah that time to and, and just turning up for yoga is such a nice thing it's like finding the time every day i think i got to 126 days straight before i missed one and i was distraught when i missed one i was like yeah. I, i'd been out to look for a dog that had got lost and came home and gone straight to sleep and then woke up the next morning going oh god i didn't do any yoga yesterday yeah 126 days down the pan you know but uh. you know now we do every every day we can and some days you just think i don't want to do that today i can't be bothered i'm tired i'm grumpy i'm whatever right. but then you go no come on let's yeah. go and do it and just convincing yourself to turn up Right. is such a an achievement and so Absolutely. and it does make you feel better yep. even if you're not doing anything particularly physically demanding or you just want to sit and do some breathing exercise for 10 minutes or right or you know whatever however it works it doesn't have to be yoga but committing to doing something every day that that's in somehow benefits you yeah even if it's you know making yourself a cup of some sort of herbal that's good for you tea and just spending 10 minutes sitting yeah. with your dog quietly. Yeah. yeah. Give yourself that time, you know, to to enjoy yourself. It's so it's so important. So important. And yeah. yeah, this lockdown, the first lockdown for us was such a gift. It really was. We came out of it with the best motivation and everything. This one's been slightly more difficult because it's winter now. Yeah. Yeah. It's harder to convince yourself to be all like, let's go do a four hour dog walk and <laughs> right. renovate the garden when it's absolutely battering it down with rain the whole time. But right. I think that's had an impact a bit on my mood and the fact that it's gone on for so long now and you know yeah from a business perspective we'll we'll struggle now I think but we'll get you know it's all here and we'll we'll find it we'll get back on track we have our down days but but I think for the most part we're still you know pretty positive about the whole thing considering where we could be and all that kind of stuff so but yeah it's the time the time to just do the things that i've been saying oh you know what i'm gonna do daily yoga for probably about five years now right and it was right we've got literally got nothing else to do let's let's get this do it yeah no excuses anymore (laughs) yeah my brilliant friend doing it with me 
sort of guilt me into you know when you've got someone ringing up going have you done your daily yoga today it's, yes it's a good way to feel guilty about not doing it yeah. Um, yeah so that was a real help now i've got past that first hurdle of this isn't something that feels normal to do every day now it's completely normal to me yeah. even if she wasn't doing it so often i think i could still carry on doing it which is great yeah. and it's such a benefit i feel so much better for it and my mood in- improves and my physical abilities improve and i'm i've got such a bad back from years of proving myself in the lighting industry and right. picking up lights that big blokes can do <laughs> <laughs> yeah as a tiny little five foot six girl yeah um that my back is completely battered and i've been seeing chiropractors for years over my back and you know 126 days of daily yoga and, and yeah it's so much better so yeah better. so amazing you know anything like that that you can just bring yourself to do for even just a few minutes a day yeah on the days that you don't want to do it yes that's the best days the yep. days that you can't be bothered yep. by the end of it you will just feel a million dollars for having bothered yeah. to, to turn up and get it done 100 percent. yeah it's it's just that challenge of like i'm going to do this and i don't want to do it but god damn it i'm going to and that like just accomplishing yeah, exactly. that in a day is, is something big and I just, as Absolutely. you were talking, I remembered this other lyric that I really like. And it, it's like, it, it goes, take your time because it's your time to take. Nice. I like yeah. that. I, I, I remember seeing that one time and I was like, oh yeah, like just slow down, man. Like enjoy it. It's your time. It's your life. You know, do, do the things you love and what makes you happy. Absolutely. All right. I have... A couple questions that I ask everybody, and since you've been listening to the podcast, you probably kind of know where they're going. But first one, um, if I, you know, obviously no restrictions or anything like that, um, plane ticket. If I if I came to you and I, I had a plane ticket for you to anywhere in the world, where would you go? Um, I have a couple of kind of bucket list places, I suppose, that that i would love to see canada is really high up the list bizarrely um yeah and i i'd love to 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 spend a bit of time in canada and um you know there are a few austria's places that are pretty i yeah. like pretty places yeah yeah and places with nature canada's beautiful <laughs> for that right out in the back of nowhere kind of thing yeah um but equally i think at the moment like my biggest like the thing that made me watch you so much recently has been your trip in in that camper i i would absolutely trade a, a plane ticket for like three weeks in a camper and i would just go like to the highlands of scotland or all over wales yes. or the peak district whatever take rita with me yes. dog in the van me and her together let's you know that's kind of at the moment yeah if somebody asked me what my ideal holiday would be i'd stay in the uk not because i would want to be particularly in the uk just because all i want to do is go somewhere where there's no houses and there's just hills or forests or whatever and you don't necessarily have to go very far to find that right and if i stayed here i could take rita with me (laughs) which is kind of everything to me at the moment yeah Um, that's perfect i'm sort of in a a place at the moment where i've done quite a lot of travel and and i think i will go back to it i want to travel again certainly but at the moment i feel just like my favorite holiday thing at the moment would be that me and my dog just bugger off to a cabin somewhere in the woods and yeah. go for really nice long walks up up hills. And, That's brilliant. 
that kind of thing that would be the way I would spend the time if I had it would be yeah I think maybe just here with with Reba not at home <laughs> yeah I love it I think that's perfect I love that mm-hmm. um all right so what would you want the world to know about you um I think that's a really difficult question because for somebody that and any of my friends will tell you talks about themselves a lot I don't really like talking about myself very much so (laughs) for the world to know about me I guess I meet my heart immediately goes well it's not about me is it you know we don't need to talk about me um so I suppose I guess based on what we've been talking about today what what I think the world should know is that I'm not brave and I'm not special and I'm not abnormal in any well I am epically abnormal but and I don't mean that like please tell me I'm special I just mean right. it, doesn't, it doesn't take an uh, an extreme person to have the courage to do things like be honest about your life you know I'm just a normal human I'm just a person and it was really hard for me to to find that honesty in my life and to, to be okay with it and to be able to talk down those people that say that I threw away a X amount of grand career or, or, you know, a great life in certain places. And I can say to them, yes, but my simple life is much happier. You know, life, my dad posted something brilliant yesterday. He's just bought a canal barge to live on, which is amazing. I amazing. fully want to inherit it, but it's fantastic. And he said, put something up that, you know, a, a, a beautiful life, a simple life can be a beautiful life or something along those lines. And and I think what I would say to people is, or what the world should know about me is that I'm not anything special. I you, you don't have to look at me and go, oh, she's so brave to have done that, or she's so this, that, or the other to have gone through that. I'm just a normal person. And if you think that it's something that you need to go through as well, it's absolutely possible because I'm not any different to anyone else. I don't have some big secret that no one else is going to get. You know, I'm just just like everyone else. Yeah, I think that's so beautiful. That, yeah. But it's such a powerful message in that, you know, of like, yeah, I think I think people get caught up in the the I can't I can't do that I could never do that. Yeah. It's like you can, mm-hmm. because every every extraordinary it's okay person to not want to. right. It's absolutely okay to be like that's not for me. I don't want to do that. But but don't be like too frightened or too yeah an an inability to because you do you have the ability to if you want it right. It's there. Yeah, and I mean, it makes me think that so many people, when I was starting my sobriety journey, when I was in Ohio, were just saying, you know, it's okay to settle. And I was like, I just, I, I can't, I can't be that. I, I don't, I, I'm mm. not shooting for like over the moon, extraordinary, but I'm, I'm not settling. I'm gonna live my, yeah. I'm gonna live my life, and that's, that's my. Absolutely. You know, that's. I try to impart that on people too. So I love that you're, you're you know, you're vocalizing that as well of, you know, it it doesn't take this extreme person to do this. It's just be you and and find your truth and and live it. I love that. Yeah. Um, All right. And if you had the ear of everybody in the world, what would you say to them? Um, I suppose my go-to answer to that question is like, is the that people should be more kind to each other. That's that's my, every time someone says to me, what do you tell the world? Be more kind. Come on, guys. Like, yeah. Just 
we're all the same, be more kind. But, but then equally, I think that that is a message which is being shouted from the rooftop at the moment, which I love um, in ways like, you know, there's, there's a, a great program on Netflix called The Kindness Diaries. It's so lovely. Good. Such a good program. And um, there's a, um, a British artist, Frank Turner, who wrote an entire album called Be More Kind, which is off the back of, of the presidential election. Donald yeah. Trump. Yeah. It was like a counter album and it's fabulous. And, you know, you've got your Ellen DeGeneres to the world and now fabulously the Beautifully Human podcast shouting <laughs> to the world to, to, you know, be kind to each other and, and that kind of thing. So that's kind of my go-to answer. But equally, I think so many people are saying it that maybe I don't need to. So to try and be a bit more, um, not original, but use use it to say something that hasn't necessarily been said as much. Um, I thought about my lovely friend, Irina, who is the woman in Romania who rescued Rita from a forest and nursed her back to health and sent her over to the UK. When I went to see her, she had this sentence that she said constantly. And I laughed at her so much for it, but actually it's genius. And every time there was a lulling conversation or anything was uh, a little bit quiet or we stopped to make a cup of tea or we there was a change in direction, she would say, OK, tell me something. And I'm <laughs> like, what? Tell, tell you what? Just tell me something. And I'm like, being a Brit, you know, we're very straight. We talk about the weather and what we do for a living. We don't we don't converse with people that we don't know. It's very odd. Yeah. And um so I started off kind of, well, I, I run a boarding castle in Southport and I, you know, answering all the proper questions. But I was there for 10 days, you know, and the yeah. longer this went on, she never asked me a question, not once. She never said, tell me about that. Yeah. She just said, tell me something. And the longer it went on, the more open I became. And, and I think that's kind of, there's a good essence of, of that question in, in this podcast and what you're trying to do. And I think that's what drew me to it so much. Yeah, is that you're saying, okay, tell me a story about whatever, but you're not saying, tell me what you do for a living or tell me what you do here. You're just saying, give me your story. Yeah, And I think that opens up to people potentially saying things that they've wanted to say out loud for such a long time, but yep. nobody's ever asked them. Yeah, and, and there's a huge release in it. And I think Irina probably knows more of my stories than friends that I've had for 10 or 15 years Yeah, because she just let me talk and she listened. Yes. So my advice to the world would be to constantly if you're getting to know someone or even with the people that you think you know well ask them tell me something and I, see what they say and listen to the answers yes i i think that's so brilliant i think it's so brilliant because something so beautiful about that there's so much that i've i've really enjoyed about doing this but like one of one of the most brilliant and beautiful parts is yeah, getting to know the people that I thought I knew, hearing yeah. stories that I never knew of people that I've mm -hmm. known for forever. And then I hear a story and I'm like, oh, shit, I didn't even know that. And then truly yeah. listening, giving that gift to someone of listening, like asking yeah. how you're doing. I remember a buddy of mine who's from Denmark. Um, he was on mm -hmm. tour with us in the States and he always harped on me. He would because I. As you walk by, I do it all the time. I walk by even on walks now. And I'm like, hey, how you doing? As we're passing. Yeah, exactly. And he was like, why do you ask them 
when you don't want to listen. And I had never yeah. thought about it. And I was like, yeah, that is the most, like, that is such an important question. Is like, how are you? And we just throw it out like, yeah. hey, how's it going? And then it's like, boom, ships in the night. And it's, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, truly asking and then listening is such a gift. But I love that of like, yeah, tell me something. And I love doing it on mm-hmm. here. I, you know, I want people to come on and if they want to talk about what they do, cool. If they don't, great. I'll just learn about you. You tell, like, we'll we'll navigate this conversation. I, you know, I have a list of questions that I, if if something slows and the conversation goes to a lull, I can look over and say, cool, here's this question. But I love just flowing with it. And yeah, it is, it is kind of like that, which is, I I love, just tell me something. It's such a great sentence. It is. Because the automatic response is always, well, what do you want to know? Right. it doesn't matter what I want to know. Just tell me something. Yes. It's so good. It's, it's it automatically lovely. makes it a little awkward, which I always like. I oh, like yeah. awkward situations. Yeah. But yeah, you know, and I that's that's why I like asking the, you know, what would you want the world to know about you? Because I've had so many people, A, when I ask them to be on here or the the blog part of it that I've done of like me, you want me? And I'm like, yes, because every. I, see. I was like, my yeah. life's so interesting. Yeah. I'm like, no. Because every, yeah. every story has power. Every every experience that you've had somebody else has had in some way shape or form and it's just you know i i i like asking that one because it's it's an empowerment of yourself you get to say something Mm -hmm. about you and i've had people when i ask it on here and i don't you know normally i don't say i'm gonna what questions i'm gonna ask because i don't know i just like to let it go i always ask those at the end because i think it's a nice way to end but um yeah i've had so many people when i ask just be like, ooh, and just go silent. And I'm like, yeah. you know, it is a tough it's question. It's a really hard question to answer. Yeah, yeah. it really is. But I, I like doing it because it gives you that moment to like boost yourself and put some confidence in yourself of like, even if it's what I what I like about myself, you know, it, it's a good, it's a good like, yeah, this is me, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, no, it's great. Well, Jen, this has been so lovely. I, I'm so happy that you messaged me and that we reconnected and now had a beautiful yeah. conversation that I, you know, I've, I've known you seven years in my life, which is nuts. You've, you... I know, it's insane, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, probably we've spoken like, I don't know, 12 times or something over that seven years. Yeah. Hopefully now with this reconnection and with learning so much about each other, it'll be a, a good basis for the start of a, a kind of closer friendship, which yes. will be really lovely. And yes. if you guys are in the UK again, yes. it'll be a hugely different experience to the first one. I'm not going to take you sightseeing That's around the pubs perfect. of London, but if you want to come and walk the hills of Lancashire with me and my dog, you guys are most welcome. Like That <laughs> sounds perfect. I've seen the pubs in London. I've done that. I, I need to see the yeah, rest of the UK that, now. Yeah. Yeah, I've done that. That's right, right, too, old yeah. news. <laughs> so I, I very much look forward to that. And I hope you have a beautiful rest of your afternoon and evening. And yeah, we definitely will talk more. I love I love that, that these 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 conversations add add depth to friendships or start friendships. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's going to be lovely to uh, to continue a, a a strong friendship with you. Yes. All right. I will All talk right, pleasure to talking to you, my love. Yeah. All right. See you. Bye. See you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Beautifully Human podcast. To hear more beautiful stories from beautiful humans, follow us on Spotify 
and rate and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Wanderlust Moon Duo. Peace signs up. <laughs>